Okay, <clears throat> Mind and the Motorcycle, Naked News, Year 2, it's Volume 71. The date is February 23rd, 2022. I am a lone voice in the universe. Um, and as I did mention last week, I've really changed how I do the, the news physically. And so I'm home. Uh, it's just really me and you. Because generally, uh, anybody who listens to these kind of podcasts generally get to have a headset on. So it's just a kind of an intimate conversation. So my purpose with Naked News is to really just share what um, is going on and to um, do it in a, I don't know, in a very, you know, kind of personal way. You can kind of, you know, spend a half hour. Um, and let's see, you know, what's going on. And let's see what's going on. Thanks in large part to climate change, the world's future will be marked by a dramatic increase in wildfires. And that's according to a new report by the United Nations Environmental Program. The report cites two primary factors, climate change and land use change as driving an increase in extreme wildfires and projects that their number will rise by 14% by the year 2030, 30% by the end of 2050, and 50% by 2100. Um, I've been harping on the Postal Service for, you know, for quite a while. I, Jesus, I don't know why nobody gives a shit. Um, the guy running it is a guy by the name of Louis DeJoy, he was appointed by Trump. He is a bad dude, absolutely unequivocally. And here's a little news, more news about this fellow. Uh, progressive lawmakers and environmentalists voiced outrage after the U.S. Postal Service, led by, yes, Louis DeJoy, finalized his plan to purchase a fleet of largely gas-powered delivery trucks. And... The agency described its move to purchase upwards of 165,000 new trucks, 90% of which will be gas-powered, and they said it would be, it's fiscally and environmentally responsible. It's such bullshit, and I remember when I did this news once before, they keep the trucks for 30 years. So that means that all of these trucks, that are, these gas-operated um, trucks that are being um, ordered by the Postal Service, are going to be around in 2050, okay? It's really fucked up, really fucked up. Um, staying with uh, things that are effed up. Uh, environmental justice advocates this week, they pointed to a methane plume so large it was seen last month from space via satellite as the latest evidence that emissions of the potent fossil fuel must be reined in. The methane plume is the largest concentration of the gas seen via satellite in the U.S. since last October. The folks that found them said that the plume of such size suggested an emissions rate of 105 tons of methane per hour, a release that lasted more than an hour at that rate would have had the same short-term environmental impact as yearly emissions from nearly 2,000 cars. 
This methane is wicked shit and it has everything to do with oil and gas exploration. <clears throat> Releasing a new study showing that world governments spend at least $1.8 trillion annually to subsidize activities which worsen the climate crisis. Global subsidies experts on Thursday said leaders must eliminate or redirect the financial supports as part of an ambitious global biodiversity framework. Uh, according to the authors of, of this report, there's such an incredible lack of transparency regarding the use of subsidies, and it means that the amount of government money being spent on the destruction of nature could be much higher than the research shows. The report identifies at least $640 billion in annual fossil fuel subsidies, $520 billion used by the agricultural sector, and $350 billion in water management and wastewater infrastructure. Follow the money, honey. Speaking of money, student-led divestment campaigns uh, at uh, five top U.S. universities, they um, employed a tactic that has proven effective at a few other schools. They filed legal complaints accusing their institutions of breaking the law by investing in the climate-wrecking fossil fuel industry. Uh, the, some, the schools are the Institute, uh, MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, Princeton, Stanford, Vanderbilt, and Yale. And they fired complaints, filed complaints with attorney generals of their respective states in Massachusetts, New Jersey, California, Tennessee, and Connecticut. By filing these complaints, the students and alumni of these institutions are making it clear that our universities have not only a moral responsibility, but a legal imperative to cut financial ties with the fossil fuel industry and its exploitive practices. And that's according to Miguel Moravec, uh, a PhD student at Vanderbilt, you know, and a, a part of this group. Um, so, more. We're staying with oil and gas, folks. While continuing to fuel the climate emergency over the past decade, oil and gas majors relied on misleading messages rather than actually taking action to transition to clean energy. And that's according to some research that was released very recently. We found the strong increase in discourse related to climate, low carbon, and transition especially by BP and Shell. This is what the paper states. Similarly, we observed increasing tendencies towards strategies related to decarbonization and clean energy. Here's the key sentence. But these are dominated by pledges rather than concrete actions. They're full of shit. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court uh, this past week rejected a bid by Dakota Access Oil Pipeline the operator, Energy Transfer LP, to avoid additional environmental review of a section that runs under an artificial lake and is opposed by nearby Native American tribes, leaving the pipeline vulnerable to being shut down. <clears throat> Excuse me. The justices left in place a lower court's, de court's decision that ordered the federal government to undertake a more intensive environmental study of the pipeline's route 
underneath uh, Lake Oahe, which straddles the border of North Dakota and South Dakota. More uh, with our tribes. The Biden administration will use $1.7 billion from the recently enacted federal infrastructure bill to fund 16 tribal water rights settlements. This is according to U.S. Interior Secretary Deb Haaland announced this past week. The money will ensure that tribes will get access to water they've been promised but have been unable to use because of a lack of funding for infrastructure to store and move it. All right. Um, Let's talk about pipe trains. A new report entitled Pipe Trains 2022, Stranded Assets and Magical Thinking in the Proposed Global Gas Pipeline Build-Out. And this was authored by an outfit in San Francisco called Global Energy Monitor, GEM. A slowdown in gas pipeline development in 2021 was unfortunately more about COVID than a recognition that gas is contributing to the climate crisis. Um, And that's uh, part of the report by co-author Baird Langebrunner. And looking ahead, the fact that nearly a half a trillion dollars of gas pipelines are in development makes no sense economically according to that same fellow, as many of these projects will become stranded assets as the world transitions to renewables. The report also states that after a COVID-19-related drop in pipeline commissionings in 2021, the gas industry and gas-positive countries, led by China, India, Russia, Australia, the United States, and Brazil, are pushing ahead with plans to commission tens of thousands of kilometers of gas pipelines in 2022. Fossil fuel companies in Europe are using an international treaty signed nearly 30 decades ago to challenge several governments' ability to take climate action, exemplifying why critics said Monday the 1994 Energy Charter Treaty is a major impediment to to transitioning away from planet-heating fossil fuels toward energy renewable, I'm sorry, toward renewable energy. Um, Under this uh, damn treaty, companies like uh, their outfits I've not heard of, RWE and Uniper in Germany and an outfit called Rockhopper in the United Kingdom, they're suing governments of Italy, Netherlands, Poland, and other countries over their phasing out of coal power plants, uh, which are part of the requirements for environmental impact assessments and blocking of extraction projects. This energy charter treaty was signed by more than 50 countries with the intention of protecting energy investments by individuals and foreign companies in the former Soviet states. So they're using antiquated rules um, to protect their assets. And uh, uh, here's about a, I wouldn't call it an asset, but it's real close. Uh, Despite promising to fight climate misinformation, Facebook is failing to flag over half of the misleading articles shared by prominent climate change deniers. And that's according to a new analysis out this past week. Facebook announced last year that it would begin attaching 
informational labels to some posts about climate change, directing users to the platform's new Climate Science Information Center. But researchers at the Center for Countering Digital Hate found that more often than not, Facebook is failing to label content from the leading publishers of climate misinformation, echoing previous studies of the social media giant's massive failure to combat climate lies. God damn. Um, Three in four people worldwide want single-use plastics to be banned as soon as possible. And that's according to a poll out... uh, released by the United Nations members um, as they prepare to begin talks on a global treaty to rein in soaring plastic pollutions. People worldwide have made their views clear, said Marco Lambertini, World Wildlife Federation International's Director General. The onus and opportunity is now on governments to adopt a global plastic treaty so we can eliminate plastic pollution. Reuters revealed last week that big oil and chemical industry groups were devising strategies strategies to persuade conference participants to reject any deal that would limit production of plastic, which is made from oil and gas and a key source of their revenues. And if we care about anything, we all care about the revenues of the oil and gas corporations. Let's uh, talk about the working people. During a mandatory anti-union meeting on Wednesday, an Amazon official warned workers at the corporation's biggest New York City warehouse that if they unionize, pay and conditions could become worse, with salary negotiations possibly starting at minimum wage. Uh, According to leaked audio obtained by Motherboard, the Amazon union buster tells a captive audience that, quote, the negotiating phase of the process is called collective bargaining. And in the negotiation, there are no guarantees. You can end up with better, the same, or worse than you already have. Let's hear it for Amazon. Um, You like chocolate? Longtime workers at a Hershey's plant in Stewart's Draft, Virginia, are leading a union drive to ensure newer employees are afforded the same benefits and working conditions they had before the candy company changed its policies in recent years, resulting in what one worker compared to prison-like conditions with little, little time off for many workers. It is known as the Hershey Prison, and we get home release. And that's according to James Gibson, who told More Perfect Union, a nonprofit media outlet focused on labor issues. Bernie's always around in the news. God bless him. Senator Bernie Sanders on Thursday castigated the GOP and that a-hole Democratic Senator Joe Manchin for killing the boosted child tax credit. If the new research showed that child poverty spiked by 41% in January, the first month since July 2021, that eligible families didn't receive this popular benefit. In January, the child poverty rate increased by 40% in just one month, 
jumping from 12.1 to 17% as 3.7 million children slipped into poverty. And this is a quote from Senator Bernie Sanders. These figures come from a study released this week by the Center on Poverty and Social Policy at Columbia University, which found that the December lapse of the expanded child tax credit helped pull child, push child poverty to, quote, the highest rate since the end of 2020. Way to take care of the kids. Um, so-called stand-your-ground laws are associated with hundreds of additional homicides each year in the United States, and that's according to new research conducted by public health scholars who say these laws should be reconsidered to prevent unnecessary violent deaths. Uh, published, published earlier this week in JAMA Network Open, which is a peer-reviewed medical journal, the study compares homicide trends in roughly two dozen, two dozen states that enacted stand-your-ground laws between 2000 and 2016 with patterns from 18 states that didn't have such laws during the study period. So we've got uh, the law in fact and, and the law not in fact and the comparison. Research found that stand-your-ground laws were associated with an abrupt and sustained 8 to 11 percent national increase in monthly firearm homicide rates, causing an extra 58 to 72 deaths per month. And I got a little bit more. The enactment of stand-your-ground laws contributed to an especially pronounced rise in firearm homicide rates in many southern states. That they, and they were quick to adopt the laws, with upticks ranging from 16 to 33% in states like Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, and Missouri. Interestingly, and, I, and it's just kind of a curiosity, there were similar stand-your-ground laws um, in states like Arizona, Indiana, Michigan, Nevada, Oklahoma, Texas, and West Virginia, and there was no noticeable increase in, in homicides. I think there is so much geographical hatred that gestates in the South. Um, and it's not said um, angrily. It's not said with any kind of sense of superiority. It's, sense, it's sent with a real sense of compassion for what goes on um, in that part of America. And speaking of which... The issue of race was barely brought up during the trial of Kim Potter, a former suburban Minneapolis police officer who was convicted of manslaughter for killing Dante Wright after she said she confused her handgun for her taser. The taser is on one side, the handgun is on the other. Uh, the taser will zap you, the gun will kill you. How the fuck? Do you confuse that? And um, there's, I'll get to her, uh, her sentencing, and you, you can imagine, which is why I'm, I'm making a point of it. What we see today is the legal system in America in black and white, and that's according to Ben Crump, uh, an attorney for Dante Wright's family, and that's what he said after Friday's sentencing. Wright was killed on April 11th, 
after Brooklyn Center officers pulled him over for having expired license tags and an air freshener hanging from his rear-view mirror. And these violations that civil rights activists say are always used as, the, as a, pretext, a pretext to stop black motorists. Family members and activists applauded in December when a mostly white jury convicted the cop of both first- and second-degree manslaughter. This week, they felt as if justice was yanked away. Get this, when Justice Regina Chu gave Potter two years, well below the presumptive sentence of just over seven years she faced under state guidelines. The judge overstepped her bounds and undermined any legitimacy for the judicial process that happened in this case. And that's according to Nikima Levy Armstrong, a civil rights attorney and activist. And she said this sentence, quote, again underscores why many black people have a distrust of the justice system at all levels. All right. Um, geez, we're doing pretty well. I'm, wow, this is great. I'm, I'm really happy. Um, here's a percentage, 60%. That's the share of U.S. workers with jobs that can be done from home who say they'd like to continue to work remotely all or most of the time when the corona outbreak, when the coronavirus outbreak is over. Isn't that interesting? Um, it's really changed work habits all over the world. Um, and, and it'll be interesting. And I, you know, you can't say there's anything really good to come out of something as awful as COVID. Um, but the way it has dramatically altered uh, the way we work um, is, to me, is extremely positive. So I, uh, yes, we'd be a, a lot better off with everybody still alive and you'd have to go into the office. But here we are. All right. Uh, let's go to Colombia. Women in Colombia are now free to seek abortion care without fear of criminal prosecution. That's following a ruling by the country's constitutional court early this week. And it's the result of years of campaigning by reproductive rights groups. The grueling decriminalized abortion in the first 24 weeks of pregnancy, removing strict barriers that have kept women from obtaining the procedure legally and have forced many people to risk incarceration by getting abortions at illegal clinics. I, great. Um, I got a little bit of historic uh, climate news that I thought, wow, this is really cool to put kind of at the, at the end of, uh, of this story. Uh, in 1938, a British engineer and amateur meteorologist made a discovery that set off a fierce debate about climate change. Scientists had known for decades that carbon dioxide could trap heat and warm the planet. But a guy by the name of Guy Colander was the first to connect human activities to global warming. He showed that land temperatures had increased over the previous half century, and he theorized that people were unwittingly raising Earth's temperature by burning fossil fuels in furnaces, factories, and even his beloved motorcycles. He was a biker. I gotta love the dude, you know what I'm saying? Uh, when Colin published his findings, it set off a firestorm. The scientific establishment saw him, uh, they saw him uh, as an outsider. 
and a bit of a meddling gentleman scientist, but he was right. His theory became widely known as the calendar effect. Today, it's known as global warming. Calendar defended his theory until his death in 1964, increasingly bewildered that the science met such resistance from those who did not understand it. Yep, um, haven't moved off the freaking dime. Great story right here. Um, a walk in nature is good for you. A 2019 study found that more than two hours per week outside can improve a person's general health and well-being. This is cool. Now, doctors and other licensed healthcare professionals in four Canadian provinces are providing nature prescriptions to their patients as part of what they call the novel PARX program. This is according to CBC. British Columbia's Park Foundation, which originally launched the Health Initiative in 2019, recently partnered with Parks Canada to give doctors across four provinces an initial run of 100 passes to prescribe to patients. Now, as a result, healthcare workers registered with PARX can offer their patients a Parks Canada Discovery Pass, which costs around 56 bucks for an adult, but it's free of charge. The program has urged doctors to prioritize passes to those who cannot afford them. Oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's like nothing being out um, uh, in nature to, to do it for you. Uh, all right. Um, I'm really not going to address the uh, what's going on in uh, in you know with Russia. Um, it's I'd I'd, I'd really rather not. Um, but I um, I searched searched for a quote from Rachel Carson, who is obviously known for really being the the, the person who started the entire um, you know environmental movement. Um, and I found this quote just a little bit different from her uh, nature um, kind of conversation. The question is whether any civilization can wage relentless war on life without destroying itself and without losing sight, losing the right to be called civilized. Uh, I'm going to read it one more time. The question is whether any civilization can wage relentless war on life without destroying itself and without losing the right to be called civilized. Rachel Carson. Okay, um, I wish you well. Um, I like this. It's kind of cool. Um, I, I really like doing it this way. I'm, I'm very relaxed, and um, I really hope that you enjoyed uh, the conversation really just between the two of us. And as I always uh, end uh, these podcasts, uh, until next week, same time, same station.